We're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 27, Text 28 and 29. Text 28. Maya Nirupita Stukyam. Jara 
the invalidity of old age can be used to arouse a sense of fear in people so that they will prepare for the next life by engaging in Krishna consciousness. Verse 29. Tama vyakta gajir bhumsha lokam karma vinirmitam yahi me pritana yukta prajana shampaneshasi. This world is a product of fruitive activities. Therefore, you may imperceptibly attack people in general. Helped by my soldiers, you can kill them without opposition. Report. The word karma vinirmitam means manufactured by fruitive activities. This entire material world, especially in these days, is the result of fruitive activities. Everyone is fully engaged in decorating the world with highways, motor cars, electricity, skyscrapers, industries, businesses, etc. All this appears very nice for those who are simply engaged in sense of gratification and who are ignorant of spiritual identity. As described in Srimad Bhagavatam 554, Nunam pamata purute karma yad indya pritaya apinoti nasaramane yatakmanoyam asana ikleshara asadeha. Those without knowledge of the spirit soul are mad after materialistic activities, and they perform all kinds of sinful activities simply for sense gratification. According to Ishadev, such activities are inauspicious because they force one to accept an abominable body in the next life. Everyone can experience that although we try to keep the body in a comfortable position, it is always giving pain and is subjected to the threefold miseries. Otherwise, why are there so many hospitals, welfare boards, and insurance establishments? Actually, in this world, there is no happiness. <clears throat> People are simply engaged trying to counteract unhappiness. Foolish people accept unhappiness is happiness. Therefore, King of the Yogamas decided to attack such foolish people imperceptibly by old age, disease, and ultimately death. Of course, after death, there must be birth. Therefore, Yamaraj thought it wise to kill all the karmis through the agency of Kalakanya and thus tried to make them aware that materialistic advancement is not actually advancement. Every living entity is a spiritual being, and consequently, without spiritual advancement, human form of life is ruined. Before starting this class, I'd like to dedicate this class to um, Jai, Jai Vijay, who the president of Brisbane Temple, who left his body, I think, day before yesterday. And uh, we hope he is already back to God by now. And looking at us kindly. So, um, yes, if a Vaishnava reads this, this verse in purport, these verses, they feel compassion for the people who are suffering in this world. Just like King Pariksit, after he heard the fifth canto and the fifth canto about the hellish planets, what was his, his thought was, how can these people be saved? 
how can we save these people from suffering and hellish planets? So, Bhagavad Gita explains that if you become a devotee, then you can be saved. Uh, what is the attitude of the devotee when Kalakanya comes, when distress comes? Let us read a little bit from Bhagavad Gita, second chapter, verse 56. Dukeshvanad vikramana sukeshu vikatas viharakaya prodhasita dear munirchate. One who is not disturbed in spite of the threefold miseries, who is not elated when there is happiness, who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called a sage of steady mind. So Prabhupada in the purport tells what is the attitude of a Vaishnava when he meets with um, old age, disease, and death. A fully Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold miseries, for he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord, thinking himself only worthy of more trouble due to his past misdeeds. And he sees his miseries by the grace of the Lord are minimized to the lowest. Similarly, when he's happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness. He realizes it is due only to the Lord's grace that he is in such a comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord. So when distress comes, the devotee sees, oh, this is really mercy because I, should have, I deserve much worse. I should have suffered much more. And instead, the Lord is just giving me a token. If a materialistic person gets distressed and he thinks, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why not you? Actually, so um, how many times have you ever felt like that? Why is this happening to me? Of course, now you're all devotees, so um, maybe you, that thought doesn't come in your mind when, when problems happen. Why does this happen to me? His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj asked two more questions. So suppose you see somebody suffering and you think, boy, I'm glad that's not me. I'm glad it's somebody else. So that is also another thought people have. And that, but the third thought is, you see somebody suffering and you think, oh, I wish I could suffer instead of that person. So that's the Vaishnava. That's the Vaishnava. Why should he suffer? Let me suffer for him. That was Christ. That was all the great devotees of the world. Shiva Prabhupada, he came, he took our karma. And so now it's, it's minimized. Materialistic person will think, why is this happening to me? I'm such a great person. Um, sometimes they, they do the healthiest things, they run and jog, and still they get cancer. Why is this happening to me? A lot of people smoke and they don't. Right. <laughs> and they don't get cancer. Right. Even though smoking kills, as they say, on the package. But don't worry, their time will come. Your time will come. Uh, and also, if, if something good happens to a materialistic person, he will think, yeah, wow, look at me. I, I, it is due to my hard work that these good things are coming. The body will think, oh, this is Krishna. Krishna is helping me, give me opportunity for more service. So sometimes, so we understand these things that, you know, we should accept everything as Krishna's mercy, but sometimes it's really hard because we still identify with the body, even though we're devotees. 
Sometimes we see there's a gap between our knowledge and our realization, our experience. So one time, Junikram Maharaj, he was a brahmacharya, and he asked Prabhupada, you know, we see, we feel that um, uh, our body is affected by the modes of nature. We are experiencing desires. And Prabhupada said to him, you are not experiencing. Your body is experiencing. You are feeling cold due to this body. You are not feeling cold. And the way he said, but I, I think I'm feeling cold. <laughs> um, the prophet said, you are thinking, that is illusion. <laughs> so rise above that? He said, yes, but gradually. Don't, not artificially, you can't artificially, but this is the fact. Now we are in a feverish condition, but we should not identify with the fever, thinking, oh, I, oh, I have a fever, this is me. No, your healthy condition will come. So, coming and going, pain and pleasure, matras parashas tukuntiya, sitosha, sukhutukutaha. Agamaka, you know, he has tongues to teach us about it, you have to tolerate this. So, one time, Srila Prabhupada was suffering from fever and uh, bad stomach, indigestion. For three days, he was sick, and his servant wanted to ask him a question. Uh, but he didn't want. He didn't ask it directly. He said to Shri Prabhupada, "Does a pure devotee suffer?" <laughs> because it looked like he was suffering. Um, so then Prabhupada said, "No, it was a lover's bite." So he felt the hand of Krishna in that suffering. So we have the analogy that at the time of death, materialistic people are like a rat foot in the mouth of the cat. And devotees are like a kitten in the mouth of mother cat. So the just imagine the difference of feeling. A rat is, doesn't know, he knows he's going to die, but he's very afraid, he's extremely depressed, afraid, so much fear, uh, because he's know he's going to be eaten alive. But the devotee, if he's in the mouth of mother cat, he feels protection, he feels security, you know, the mother is going to take him home. So time of death, the devotees, they, they feel this. That we, now we are going back to Godhead. And that's why old age is, instead of giving fear to the devotees, it takes away fear. Because we're one step closer to Krishna. The gray hair is coming, the wrinkles are coming. That means we're going to get closer to Krishna now. <laughs> Very soon, we will go back to Godhead and be with Krishna. So, let us see, Bhagavatam gives us some advice how we can counteract the threefold miseries. If you go to Canto 7, chapter 15, verse 24, it describes the threefold miseries. There's three kinds, adibautic, adidagic, adiatmic. So how to get free from adibautic, sufferings due to other living beings, by good behavior and freedom from envy. How you get rid of Adidaiva, those from higher, higher sources, the demigods, the weather, the floods, the drought, the fires, by meditation and trance. You can counteract these sufferings due to providence. And how do you counteract the adiyatmic due to body and mind? By practicing hatha yoga, pranayama, and so forth. Of course, pranayama, according to Prabhupada's definition, pranayama is chanting and dancing. <laughs> That is our pranayama. And that's the same as pranayama. 
So let us discuss Adi Daivik first. This, uh, yes, uh, meditation and trance, if you want to counteract the um, Adi Daivik misery. So we chant Hare Krishna, we serve Krishna. Uh, but there was one uh, Sadhu, actually, I'll tell you about. He was actually worshipping Lord Shiva, and he was able to counteract the Adi Daivik miseries. In 2013, in India, there was, at Kedarnath, there was an avalanche, and there was a flood, and there was destruction. So why did this happen? Because the government decided to move Parvati's temple above Lord Shiva's temple. And the night before they were moving, Parvati came to the Pujari in a dream and said, tell them not to do it. Hmm. But they didn't listen. They moved the Parvati's temple above Lord Shiva's temple, and then there was an avalanche. There was a flood, there was devastation, and a big stone rolled behind Kedarnath temple and protected it. So Kedarnath temple was okay, and this sadhu, this uh, devotee of Lord Shiva, he was standing in meditation on Lord Shiva, meditation in trance, and the devastation was all around him, both sides, all the hotels, all the Guest houses were destroyed, there was flooding, there was all the rocks coming down, and he was just in this peaceful meditation on Lord Shiva. And he, was, he was not affected by it. And afterwards, there were many pilgrims up there who were stranded because the roads were all broken after the avalanche. The roads were closed, so they were taking their evacuating them by helicopter. So it came the Saudis' turn to go in the helicopter. They said, okay, now you can have your seat in the helicopter. And this sadhu said, no, I will walk. So uh, maybe he had mystic powers, who knows. But anyway, uh, yeah, he was very, uh, he was above the devastation because he was meditating in trance. Of course, our meditation is on Krishna, and there are examples of such meditation where you could overcome the adi-daivic miseries. One example is from, if you read, into Dumasani's Maharaj's diary. There is one example. He was flying in an airplane uh, in South Africa, and the airplane was coming down for a landing, and every time it came down for a landing, it started to shake violently. And Maharaj would go, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And the Christians were saying, Jesus. And Muslims were saying, Allah. And everybody was chanting, but the plane shook and went back up, couldn't land. So next to Maharaj, there was a scientist. He said, Swamiji, I do not believe in these things. And the plane went down again, trying to land, shaking violently. Everyone was chanting, Maharaj was chanting. Couldn't land, went back up. And the scientist was very shaken. He said, mm, what was that you're saying? <laughs> Tell, can, you, can you teach me? And Maharaj said, Hare Krishna. He said, no, no, the whole thing, the whole thing will teach me. So uh, the pilot made an announcement, we're trying one more time to land, and if we are unsuccessful, we will go back to where we came from. So the plane went down, it was shaking violently, everyone was chanting, the scientists were chanting, and the plane landed. So then, Mari said to the scientist, now do you believe? The scientist said, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, Mara said, here's my card. You can, if you have any questions, you can contact me. 
So meditation and trance, they were meditating on the holy names and they were saved from this calamity, this adidaivik. Now adibotic, how to counteract adibotic miseries? By good behavior and freedom from envy. So there is a verse in Bhagavatam, third canto, chapter 29, verse 27. Atalamam sarabhuteshu bhutatmanam kritalayam through charitable gifts and attention, as well as through friendly behavior, by viewing all to be alike, one should uh, please me who abide in all creatures as their very self. So if somebody is a superior, you should worship and serve them. If someone is an equal, you should be friendly. If someone is a junior, you should be merciful and help them. So. That will save us a lot of trouble and we'll be happy in this world. This is advice by Kapiladev. And uh, so, but sometimes we have problems even amongst the devotees. We might fight or something. So one time one devotee wrote to Prabhupada and said, you know, I, I think devotees are so impersonal. I have a hard time here with the devotees. So Prabhupada said, you should not expect anywhere is utopia. And that is impersonalism. You, you should not expect, even in Iskand, there is utopia. Because the devotees are persons, therefore, there will always be some lacking. But the difference is, they're lacking because they have given up everything to serve Krishna. Then it, it is transcendental. It is transcendental. And so, um, Sri Prabhupada, he appreciated the sacrifices, the austerities that his disciples did to push on this movement. When we first came to India in 1972 in Bombay, it was uh, it was really very austere. Um, we when we came, we were it was culture shock, of course. We came. There was a hut for the men to stay, and the office and the kitchen and the prasada room all in one hut, same room. And so we were sitting there for prasada time, breakfast. And, we, and up on the rafters, these big rats were running. And I was really worried. I thought, he, he's going to fall on my plate. And he fell in somebody else's plate. And I was happy, and, uh, but <laughs> shouldn't have been. But it was very, very austere when we came to Bombay. And uh, so there was this Dr. Patel who used to walk in Juhu Beach with Shita Prabhupada. And he was a bit of an impersonalist. He was quoting Bhagavad Gita, but his goal was to was liberation. So Prabhupada was, but he was he was a very nice man, and he was very compassionate to the devotees. He saw our austerities, and he donated. He went begging in the market and got mattresses, blankets, pillows, mosquito nets. But unfortunately, everything got lost and stolen after two years. He went and complained to Srila Prabhupada, you know, I gave all these things and now devotees didn't take care and they're not taking care of themselves. So Prabhupada said to Dr. Patel, these devotees do not care if they have to sleep on the floor. They do not care if they get disease or do not have proper facilities. That liberation which you so much desire, they already have. Well, Prabhupada said, we were liberated. <laughs> uh, like nice, to, nice from Shri Prabhupada. He was always seeing us in, in a higher position than we felt ourselves. We always felt so fallen. But Prabhupada, he, 
He encouraged us, he empowered us to do things that were beyond our capabilities. I remember also in Bombay, one time I was walking in the, in the hut in the daytime and there was a table. Underneath the table was Giriraj Maharaj, he was a brahmacharya. then. I said, Prabhuji, what, what are you doing under the table? He said, oh, I have a high fever and it's the only place nobody will walk on me. And so that was the early days <laughs> yeah, in India. I was glad because we were sent to Calcutta and at least the ladies' ashram in Bombay was on the roof of the building and it was summer. So we had no, at least in Calcutta, I got a roof over my head. No, no electricity, no water, but otherwise it was okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, so you have to make friendship with devotees and serve the seniors and be merciful to the juniors. Um, when Shri Prabhupada went to Japan, Dainapan, then he met with the executives of Dainapan Company to print Krishna book. So there was one executive he was talking to, and he asked this executive, what is your goal of life? So this executive took out a bunch of calling cards, and he took out the one on the bottom. He said, this is me. My goal is to be on the top. So that's material life. In order for you to be on the top, you have to push so many people down. But in spiritual life, if you're on the top, that means you're more servant, servant, servant. You push everybody up. So this is how to counteract the misery of from other living entities, Adi Bhautik. Adiyatmi, Kata Yoga and Pranayam. So Prabhupada says in Purport Third Canto, as far as Pranayam is concerned, chanting and dancing in ecstasy. Chanting the holy name is Pranayam. This is our Pranayam. And Gita also gives us advice in sixth chapter. Hmm. Verse 17, about regulation. Hmm. He who is temperate in his habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation can mitigate all material pains by practicing yoga system. So we have to come to the mode of goodness. How to come to the mode of goodness by chanting Hare Krishna and dancing in ecstasy. And this will counteract your adi, atmic miseries. I can also give you an example of somebody uh, counteracting the adi, atmic miseries. When I was in Nepal in the Vaishnavi retreat, we had a, a, an evening kirtan and started at 7.30. And 150 Nepali ladies were chanting and dancing in ecstasy. But there was one Gujarati lady who was not so, she was hungry. And it was, she said, it's Prasad time. <laughs> Nobody would pay any attention. They were all in ecstasy. She tried again at 8.30. Oh, I'm very hungry. <laughs> Prasad. They forgot, you know. They were just chanting and dancing. 9.30. She came back. Any hope for Prasad? No, no answer, no reply. Everyone was in ecstasy, chanting. They forgot. So she decided, okay, if you can't beat them, join them. So she started chanting and dancing too. And she also forgot to eat. <laughs> so you can counteract the adiyatmic miseries, hunger, thirst, and disease by chanting and dancing. So the attitude of the devotee we hear from Bhagavatam, 10th canto, 14th chapter, verse 8, the chain of compounds is 
Hope against hope that the Lord will give his mercy. And tolerate the karma which comes to us. Serve with body, mind, and words. And you will be eligible for liberation. And so, Krishna comes to help us, relieve us from our suffering, material suffering and spiritual separation from Him. So, Vishnu Chakrati Thakur, he explains, um, sometimes they say, why, did, why does suffering come to devotees? And uh, so, Vishnu Chakrati explains that it is at night the sunrise becomes more attractive. During hot summer, cold water gives relief, and during winter, hot water makes you feel good. Lamplight is attracted to darkness. So, in the same way, when the Lord comes after some distress, and He comes to save you, then our gratitude and pleasure is boundless. So, and while we are suffering, then we depend on Him, we long for Him, we pray to Him, and that's why he gives us sometimes a little suffering. And so one time when the Bodhi Bhagavad, he asked Prabhupada, you know, I'm confused because throughout your books and your lectures you say, if you become a devotee, you're on the transcendental platform. But at the same time you talk about being affected by the most material nature. Although I'm a devotee, I've been practicing and I have a certain amount of happiness, at the same time, I feel affected by the modes of material nature. How is it I can be on the transcendental platform and still be affected by the modes of nature? Prabhupada said, it's just like being on a boat. When you're on a boat, no one can say you're not on the boat. You're on the boat, but sometimes big waves will come and rock the boat. You might even get knocked down uh, if you're standing on the deck. And so those waves are the modes of material nature. And the boat is the transcendental position. You're on the transcendental platform, sometimes the waves of the modes will come and rock the boat. So how will you become steady? You have to learn from the captain of the boat how to steer the boat, even in the greatest storm. And so Prabhupada was our captain, and he, he's teaching, he taught us how to steer the boat. We learned from Bhagavatam, if you want to counteract the threefold miseries, and there are ways to do it. You can read Canto 7, chapter 15, verse 27, and find out more from the purport. So we'll stop here. If there's any questions or comments, you can ask at this point. Yes. Oh, no. Yes? Yeah, because theoretically we understand I'm not the body. But um, practically we don't realize it sometimes. So that's an example. Disease may come and we, we, uh, we think, oh, why is this happening to me? I'm a devotee, I should not suffer. But actually, the, the real, the good attitude to have is to think, oh, Krishna is so merciful, I deserve worse. He's giving me just a token. But that's a hard, that's a hard realization. Hard to say that. I did see one devotee, one my god sister. She fell down and broke both her 
wrist, and she was shouting, "Thank you, Krishna! Thank you, Krishna!" Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's an extreme example of uh, having that attitude of uh, seeing it as Krishna's mercy. Uh, yes. No, I didn't say 15.7. I said 7th Canto, chapter 15, verse 27. So what is that verse? Yeah, I, I read it at the beginning that um, you can counteract adiabotic miseries by good behavior and freedom from envy. You can counteract adiabotic miseries by meditation and trance. And you can counteract adiabotic miseries by practicing hatha yoga, pranayama, and so forth. Yeah, that's from Bhagavatam, not from Bhagavad Gita. Yes, Maharaj. Oh, thank you. I just call for come and visit you and those osteoconditions in June. What was that? Did Prabhupada come and visit you personally and physically and see the conditions in Well, I got, we, we, my husband and I, we got sent two weeks. We were only there for two weeks. And we were sent to um, Calcutta, which was much better. But, um, yeah, he did visit, not when I was there, but he visited the devotees and Tamal was complaining about the austere conditions. And Prabhupada said to him, don't you want to be purified? <laughs> that was Prabhupada's response <laughs> to the austere conditions. Yeah, I saw him in Calcutta and many times, on his way to Mayapur and on his way back from Mayapur. I saw him in Calcutta. Yes? It's interesting that you know all these miseries you can overcome without surrendering, but devotion aspect is not there. Yeah, devotion isn't that interesting. But Prabhupada brings it into the purports, so don't worry. Yeah, you you can't have anything without devotion if you read Prabhupada's books. And also that the the current Prabhupada also is not telling that the fear has to you know it has to motivate you to. To get out. Fear has to motivate you to get out of this material world. What am I doing here in this fearful place? Yeah, there's two ways to advance, to realize I should get out. One is the good path, the easy path of surrender to Krishna and devotional service. And then we go, we make progress in spiritual life and go back to home, back to God. And the other way is getting kicked by Maya. So, or getting kicked by Kalakanya. Mm -hmm get kicked by Maya, get kicked by Kalakanya, and then you realize, oh, why am I suffering? You start asking that question, why am I suffering? What am I doing here? Um, I mean, I had the feeling when I was young that I didn't belong here. I don't know how, I think other devotees had that feeling too. Any of you feel like that? That this, yeah, <laughs> that you, you know, something wrong, this is not where I should be. Did you, you did feel like you didn't belong in this world? Yeah. Huh? Why did I come here? Yeah, why did I come here? You know, very good question. When I was 10 years old, I was sitting in my classroom, looking at the children, and I was thinking, I'm not from here, I'm not one of them. No, I'm not one of them. I don't know where I'm from. Maybe I'm from another 
country, maybe I'm from another planet, but one thing I know is I'm not from here, I'm not American. I just knew that at a young age. So I think many devotees have that feeling. And the first time when I felt like I belonged was when I met Prabhupada for the first time at the airport and I was following behind him and I felt secure, protected, I belong here, this is, and I can do this the rest of my life. <laughs> I, that's when I felt, this is where I belong. That's when I first felt a sense, felt a sense of belonging. For so many things, they asked me in school, we had to choose what career we want. I, I, could, I said, I don't want to do any of them. <laughs> I don't like any of those careers. Did you have one Gainesville, Gainesville, Florida. Yeah, it's in Leonamrita, this remote corner of the world, the chapter is entitled. Prabhupada said, so Gordon and have come to this remote corner of the world. <laughs> and Prabhupada came to this remote corner of the world too. So that was, that was really nice. Okay, any other <coughs> questions? Yes? Huh? Kiernath Temple, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happens if, if they changed or, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Although I was just following it on Facebook, and they were showing people were with their cameras were out there with their cell phones taking pictures, and, and but then the helicopter was coming. <laughs> but, yeah, it was devastation up there. Yeah, I don't know what happened. What was the outcome? Okay, Jai Ogoishya Prabhupada Hare Krishna. I can ask you something. Mm. I'm just going to ask you 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 to